Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of Entrepreneur on Fire. Jeff, could you maybe laugh just a little bit less? Come on, man. Are you ready to thoughtfully steer away from your revved up, frenzied, and far too often scripted life? Then welcome to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith, where he guides you down the road differently traveled by sharing unique experiences with guests who have managed to shift away from a life stuck on cruise control and veered their way into a more authentic and fulfilling one in all sorts of interesting and kind of remarkable ways. Get ready to Vroom Vroom Veer with your differently traveled road chauffeur, Jeff Smith. Caroline Green. Thank you so much for being here and welcome to Vroom Vroom Beer. How's it going? It's going great, thanks. I'm so excited to be here today. Now, did I screw up your name or not? Well, it depends when you edited the recording. <laughs> so far, it's On that last good. one, I got it right. Okay, great. It was great. great. Okay, it was great. Cool. Okay, so maybe those outtakes will go in some future bumper. We'll see. Yeah, it'd be awesome. <laughs> okay, so you are an author and a speaker and a coach. And I like what you say in your one sheet here, recovering lawyer. That's hilarious. Thanks. It's true. It's true. <laughs> and then chronic overachiever. I never suffered from that affliction. I'm probably the opposite. Perfect. Uh, and then you are a, also, this is kind of neat, a two-time Amazon best-selling author. Uh, one book was called Matter, How to Find Meaningful Work That's Right for You and Your Family. And then Next, I like that for the next book. Um how to start your successful business that's right for you and your family. That's cool because you included that you and your family. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it's either that or divorce, probably. I know it can be. It's tough. Right, you know? right. So that's what you've got going on now. Um, and we can find out more at carolingreencoaching.com. Did I get that right? No. You, yeah, you, Caroline, Caroline. Yeah. Green. Wow, green that is e. so hard to it's do tricky, that. right? I know. I, is it the green? Is that it? I think it is. I think there's something about the sound. I don't know. Yeah, I've done this many, many times, and this is like the second name that I've really super tripped up on. It's all good. <laughs> I'm, so I'm pretty sorry. confident in who I am, independent of how my name is pronounced. So I think Caroline we're good. CarolineGreenCoaching.com. Go. If I slow down, I can do it. <laughs> Okay, so let's go back in the time machine and talk a little bit about what you were like in high school. Yeah, so, you know, I actually, to understand me in high school, I have to go back a little bit further because... No problem. um, Yeah, so I moved around all the time as a kid. I call myself an urban gypsy. It was, uh, I had to do like a collage in eighth grade and it was like, who are you? And it was on the cover of the newspaper that day. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's me. Because I, we literally moved like every three years, sometimes every one year. And and people were always like, oh, your parents are in the military. And I was like, no, my dad's a lawyer. He just gets bored easily. Mm, (laughs) He He would just like decide to get new jobs. So, um, moved all the time as a kid. And then he actually passed away when I was 12. Um, and, and so, um, so I had this like sort of unique foundation going right into high school and I grew up in a very traditionally success oriented family. So, um, both of my parents were, um, first to college, first to law school, um, 
like couple gener like my um, mom was a third generation Italian. Like there was just a lot of emphasis on education, the classic American dream, and right. um, you know, excellent. You know, we had two rules in our family: no, no lies and no bees. You know, it was like wow. The- yeah, yeah, yeah. So wow. it was just um That's that's pretty cool and kinda hardcore at the same time, right? Yeah, which pretty much describes my entire childhood. <laughs> <laughs> pretty cool and pretty kinda hardcore. hardcore right? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like the first world problems from, you know, very young age, you know. Yeah. Oh no, no, yeah. I'm deep, deeply steeped in first But world that's problems. good though, because yeah. you know, uh Well, you know, the other thing is too, is that like to my parents' credit, right? Like they worked really hard so that all I struggled with was first world problems. Which is good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, they wanted to get yeah. yeah. So, but I suffered mightily at the hand of first world problems. So, so I grew up like really just, um, you know, one, my, 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 our mantra every day is a, is another chance to succeed. That was like an actual (laughs) family mantra. Yeah. Uh huh. So, um, yeah. So, so my father passed away. My, my, um, I was in, uh, middle school at the time. My mom had to go back to work. Like everything was just sort of crazy. That's a giant veer. Total veer. And from like a very stable, very like, you know, we all had dinner together and played family games on yeah. Sunday. And then all of a sudden, like everything was everywhere. That's more and, like a tectonic um, shift. Really. It was a tectonic shift. Yeah. And so <laughs> I the ended up. The world is different now. The world yeah. is different now. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I ended up actually asking to go to boarding school. Um, wow. Because, because asking I was my. Asking to go to boarding yeah, school. Yeah. My brother was already in boarding school. My. Okay. My mom was working and I, I was like alone, you know, I was alone as an eighth grader. Um, so I'd mm. get off the bus by myself and into this, like, you know, I lived in one of the these suburbs. Kid. Yeah, totally. It was like so bizarre. It was like <laughs> I lived in this like perfect suburbs, you know, yeah. like this like perfect house that like all four of us used to live in. And then it was like, hey, just me and my key and my Pete Domino's order. So wow. I was like, this is not what I signed up for. So no bueno. No bueno. No so bueno. I asked to go to boarding school and my mom was super supportive, even though that meant she'd be alone. And, and you're still you know, like 12 or 13? I was 13. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's so like eighth grade or ninth grade or Yeah. Eighth grade year after okay. my dad died. And so, um, so I actually went off to boarding school. So I went to what's considered probably the best prep school in America. It's Phillips Exeter Academy in the small town of Exeter, New Hampshire. And Sounds fancy. It's so fancy. I mean, <laughs> wow. so fancy. I can't even tell you. Defines it's fancy. fancy. It sounds in yeah, both like the colleges. If you look up fancy, it says that the name of that school. Oh, yeah, it does. You know, our mascot is a griffin, if that gives you. Like, it's not wow. even. You it's know, almost yeah. like going to Hogwarts without it the is. Lizards. Like, you have to, like, look up the mascot, like, in order. <laughs> <laughs> it's a what mythical beast, for crying out loud. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, so. So I went to Exeter, very fancy, and I, um, you know, my life was in total tumult at the time. It was like I didn't know up from down, and but um, I knew I knew like what it took to succeed, right? Like that had been drilled into me. Right. Um, you study hard, you work hard, you focus, you don't get distracted, you you know, find people who will will help support you and in, in what you want to do and what you want to accomplish. And, so I like just dove into high school like a crazy maniac person. Right. So, um, and just and you no know, bees were allowed. No bees were allowed. <laughs> I, I gotta be. I gotta be in Spanish. And and I came oh. home and I was like, after my first semester, and I was like, I gotta be in Spanish. And it's so unfair because I've never taken Spanish before. And all these kids had taken Spanish in their, you know, I, yeah. I went to public junior high. It's like mm. we didn't have. You know, and all of these kids, most of them had been at these schools where they had been mm. taking since they were like in first grade. So I get mm. put in 
Spanish 101 with all these kids who like basically already speak Spanish. Oh. And I was like complaining about it, right? Because that's, that's what a you real do thing right there. When you're 14. I know it is a real thing. No, but I'm when just saying like when you're the one catching up, it's like oh, yeah. really, really hard. Yeah. 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 And there was no like personal ownership of that. You know, I was like, I was not m- emotionally mature enough to be like, all right, I, this is a challenge and I'm going to rise right, to it. I right, like, right, right. I like threw myself on the bed being you like, it's, my, oh, <laughs> it's you know, not fair. It's not fair. Yeah. So my mom was like, I'm sending you to Spain. That's like, <laughs> <she was> like <laughs> wow. Well, that's, that's cool. Yeah. We like, we solve problems in my family. You know, yeah. there was no like Spanish tutor. It's like, I went right. to Spain for the summer. You're getting immersion. <laughs> I got immersion <laughs> and came back into like AP Spanish, you know, it's yeah. like I skipped me a grade because yeah. I like now spoke Spanish from living in Spain. So anyways, that gives you like the flavor of the intensity of my, of my high school experience. Yeah. It was, we hit obstacles. We just, we did what it took to solve the problem, you know? Totally. Um, yeah. So that was my high school experience. And, um, yeah, so I'll just stop there because it's a little unusual. No, I love it. So, okay, but it, uh, usually the other question that I ask is, uh, who did you hang out with? But it mm-hmm. seems like you didn't have time to do anything fun. No, that's the total opposite, were, actually. Oh. Here's the thing. When you take a kid like me and you put them in a prep school environment, yeah, you get to go to school six days a week, which for someone like me was like the best <laughs> You know? Right, right. It was your it was thing. Like, it was oh, your yeah, thing. It was yeah. like, oh my God, I get to go to school. That's six all years. you wanted to do. Right. I played five different varsity sports while I was there. I sung in an acapella group. I was in a, wow. I was in show choir. I, um, choir. Yeah, yeah. I did everything. I did, did student leadership. I was like a dorm proctor. Like I, I did it all. I was wow. like, yeah, I was like part choir dork, part varsity, you know, jock, part student leader. I was sort of like. Definitely I, I, ambassador type. Yeah, yeah. No, really. Yeah, yeah, jack of all trades, master of few. Yeah. You were doing your minga minga me's and voice warm ups and, and then exactly. running off. Did you do any drama? You know, drama, this is, I, I'm still angry about this to this day. <laughs> in order to be in the spring, like the big, it's called, it's called Dramat when I was there, the Dramat production in the spring. It, it rehearsed during varsity sports hours. So you oh. had to choose. Okay, between it was an either or situation. Or drama, um, and I was I was really athletic. So, and I loved my sport, and I knew I knew by the way that my sport was going to get me into college, and my, my dramat was not. So, right, okay, and because I was so success oriented, right? Like I was like, well, this is an obvious choice. I need to stay with. Um, Let's throw away that thing that might be fun. Right. Oh, and focus yeah. Focus yeah. on what what I'm really good at and what will pay off in the future. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, so in the midst wow. of all this too. I'm remarried and um, wonderful guy, very, very happy to have him in my life. But he like upped the seriousness, right? So mm. like he would tell me, like my mom was like, do your best and your best will always be good enough. That's what she used to always say to me. Okay. He was like, school is your job. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah. Like school wow. is your job. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, and that, and so he was, he was even more hardcore. So he was like quick choir, more time for grades, but like I was already getting AIDS. I was like, I don't, I don't really understand why I have to quick choir to like work harder. Yeah. So that was, um, yeah, He's that's trying to a, craft your, your, uh, college resume mm-hmm, already, mm-hmm. obviously. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 Cur- curate my life. <laughs> there. Yeah. You know, I, I can contrast that with like my parents, my mom grew up a farmer and then my dad worked in a factory until he retired. So completely different backgrounds. Immersion to me was one of my big uncles threw me in the deep end of the pool. (laughs) 
and I didn't know how to swim, but I learned really quick. That was my immersion training. <laughs> Our deep ends, like that's yeah. you know, parents' yeah. job to throw us. Some in of them life. are metaphorical, and some of them are literal. <laughs> okay, so you are prepping to be uh, uh, a very let's see, highly placed, scholarship freshman in yeah. a very prestigious school. Yeah. Okay, so which school did that end up being? Yale. Yale. Well, you don't get much more prestigious. Yeah. So, yeah. So I went to, I played lacrosse at Yale. Wow. Um, yeah. So, you know, and, and you're studying, um, studying to become a lawyer. So did they have pre-law then? Yeah, no. So I actually studied, um, American studies, which I did because it was fun. So good for me. I, I oh, scored hey. a couple points there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I you thought, know, thought you can about never really judge your past self because everybody's doing the best they can. They can you know? all, right. So we're all doing the best we can. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I did American studies is basically like cultural studies, which sort of laid the foundation, honestly, for what I ended up becoming as a life coach, because it's really the study of how we exist, right? It's an ontological study of, how, how we show up in the world and, yeah. and how we craft our reality and how culture is really largely manifested of, of things that we take for granted now. But, you know, I, I went to school eight eons ago. This was all like um, these type of Foucauldian theories were like groundbreaking. No one had ever heard of constructed reality before. Like we were mm. just entering postmodernism. So it was like this crazy like, whoa, you mean history isn't really history? It's who writes history that makes history? Like it was yeah. – you know, these huge sort of, but you know, the thing is, 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 is common as it is. It's not that common that people know these things, you know, because I think that's all common knowledge Yeah. until I get out in the world. And then I remember it's not. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. That's the problem too. Like being a life coach, like I surround myself by other people who, for whom this is common knowledge. It's very easy to forget. Right. Right. See, I just got a new job, uh, as a temp, um, that's why we're talking on a Saturday and it's nine to five in downtown LA and the banks in uh, the bank is from Singapore. Right. Mm-hmm. And we are their U S branch office, mm-hmm. but these yeah. folks are, you know, accounting finance types, bankers. Right. right? Yeah. And you know, when I bring up things like, uh, Hmm, let's see here. Say like anti-fragile. Have you ever heard of that book? Mm-mm. No. Okay. No. Is it uh, good? That's awesome. All right. I'm uh, right that's how, how about Black Swan? Yeah. Black Swan, it, not the Black Swan about ballet, but the Black Swan about um, financial crashes. Nope. Then I haven't. Okay. That <laughs> Fooled by randomness. Okay. So these are all sort of like. Um, You're exposing my ignorance here. I thought this was a team endeavor. Sorry. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> You're like giving me some weekend reading. I love it. It's great. Well, these are all good books, but you don't really need to go back. Black Swan, and they're all really good books. They're by this guy, um, Nasib Nicholas Taleb. Okay. Uh, but the central theme is the. Um, hmm. Let's see. I'll just describe anti fragile because they're kind of complex. All right. But anti fragile is a made up word to describe something that's the opposite of fragile. So fragile is something that uh, it gets broken easily, right? Mm-hmm. So anti-fragile means it needs some sort of damage to uh-huh. be better. Yeah. So damage makes it better. Kind of yeah. like a human body, mm-hmm. you know? So if you don't stress a human body, i.e. you just let it sit, lay down in a bed and feed it and keep it warm and cool mm-hmm. and all those things... 
that'll be bad for that body. Right. Because that body needs stress and strain mm-hmm. and and it's anti-fragile. Does that make sense? Totally. <laughs> but no, these, it makes sense. Yeah, these concepts to Singapore bank people. Right. No, it does no. not fit their consensus no. reality model. <laughs> Well, because like we're taught to fight um, entropy, right? We're, we're, we're taught to seek stability. That's like what we're taught. We're taught right. that stability is not stability is not fragile. But what we know is that stability is in fact very fragile. Right. Um, and it's only systems that can break and heal and, and evolve themselves and human beings yes. um, that that are actually the ones that are the most stable in the long term sense. Right. But. Yeah, yeah, he uses yeah, all you. kinds of uh, really fun examples. But yeah, that that whole idea of uh, what I think you called it constructed reality. I heard yeah. somebody else call it consensus reality. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I've learned to accept it and kind of embrace it, but I still feel like a little bit like an alien anthropologist when I'm out yeah. in the world. No, I hear that. <laughs> totally. Okay. So, totally. so let's talk a little bit about what life was like for you and Yale. Yeah. So, um, you know, if high school was actually for me like super awesome and, um, it was a community where it was small and they engaged you and what you thought mattered and like, you really felt like you mattered and, um, whether it was true or not, you know, it was like, there was a sense of connectedness and energy that was really for me like very awesome. And then, you know, going to a huge university, um, it was just, we're like people, you know, were learning how to be away from their parents for the first time. Like, right. You know, it's like I've been away from my parents since I was 14. It's like, are you kidding? Like, really? Like, you're learning how to drink? Like, where have you been? <laughs> oh, I had that same experience when I was in the Air Force. Yeah. I, mean, I thought like, those kids were so weird that had gotten to like the age of 18 and hadn't had a beer. I mean, I was, it was like, just really? So <laughs> Yes, the opposite sex exists. Like what? Like what? I don't know. Oh, Anyways, yeah. Like so, but you know, with great compassion. I mean, I sound really judgy, but I'm just right, telling, right, like, right, right, right. It's just like time, surprising. You know? Yes. Yeah, and so, um, yeah. So I struggled in college. Like I just didn't. Um, I didn't really. You know, I still still jack of all trades. I did improv comedy, and I oh fun. Yeah, I ran the women's center, and I did all sorts of stuff while I was playing lacrosse. So like, I still like had that like vibe, jack of all trades vibe going on, but I just didn't, I just didn't love college. Like I loved high school and, um, and I really started sort of the sense of excitement and that belief that I could really do things in the world that I believed in and that could have an impact started dwindling really fast when I started looking around at all these other really smart people, you know, like right, right, you're right. sitting in a lecture hall full of like 200 people who are smarter than you. And you're just like every day and you're like, wow, maybe, maybe I need to think smaller. <laughs> <laughs> you know, some people I, have the opposite of right, right. They go to school like that, but for me, it was like, oh, gosh, like talk about, you know, talk about seeking stability, right? Like mm. I, I was just like, I, you know, I'm going to get cut off when I graduate. Like, what, you know, what am I going to do? Yeah. Um, so you're like, thinking got, like survival uh, strategies now. Survival strategies, yeah. yeah. Like, you know, and, and and at the time in particular, it's like there's no faster way to a six figure salary than law school. Right. I mean, it's like it's just a prat, right? So, so in the absence of, and I I had like great mythology around it. You know, I wrote my law school essay, one of many, on how I was going to use the law to change the world. But like, I know now, you know, at the time, if you talked to me, I was a very like. I thought I was going to be a civil rights attorney or something and go change the world. But really I know myself and I can honestly say I was just a scared kid. Right. And you know, we I want my, have those delusions of grandeur. Yeah. It was we like, a del- 
But the thing is, it's like, I actually think that there, there's some that are delusions and then there's some that are callings and you just, right. you, you know, sometimes your calling of grandeur is like, you just got to go for it. Like, even if it's, yeah. you know, but like the delusion was really a delusion in the sense of it. I wasn't, I wasn't making that choice from alignment. Um, yeah. I just made it because I was, I was scared and I wanted to do something that gave me the, the social and, um, economic stability that, that I wanted when I graduated. So Basically, for a lack of something better to do. <laughs> no, I get it. Yeah. I went to law school. Yeah. Right, yeah. right, right, right. Um, and then from law school, I sort of did the same thing, like got got a job. I literally made so many of my decisions based on rankings. You know, I went, looked at all the top firms in the country and then like applied to those and took the job at the quote unquote best firm I got a job, an offer from. Wow. Um, yeah. So that's like, that's, you know, we talk about vroom, vroom. It was like, it was a machine. That was a whoosh. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah. how long did you uh, work as a lawyer? Uh, what was your so, first you know, lawyer job, I should say? Yeah, so my first lawyer job, I worked at a white collar. I worked. I worked at a um, a litigation firm in D.C. doing white collar criminal defense. Okay. And I thought that I wanted to be a prosecutor at the time, and it turns out that I hated being a lawyer. Um, I wow. was just so boring and so just uh, boring and. Um, <laughs> So what you're saying is it was boring then. It was boring. And the thing is too, is like I was with these like really smart, amazing people. Like my yeah. colleagues were funny and, you know, and I worked with some of the best in, um, you know, my, my mentor there went on to head the justice department. It's like, I was, I worked with some of the best people mm-hmm. that you could possibly work with and they were funny and witty and, and I still hated my job. You wow. know? And I was just it was like, just, oh, you didn't, you did not like that grind. Did not like the grinds. Yeah. yeah. I didn't. So, but I still thought that I wanted to eventually be um, a federal prosecutor. So I had done some jury work in law school. And so I, um, I went off to prosecute, um, in, in a state court in this, in Alexandria, Virginia. And I did that for about a year and a half and really loved that at the beginning, loved the excitement, loved the variety, loved working with police officers, loved being a part of law enforcement. Like all of that was super exciting and rewarding and meaningful. And then, um, really just got to the point where I just, I really felt like another cog in another wheel. And I just didn't, um, I did not feel fulfilled and I Mm. did not wasn't happy. And so I was just like, you know, this sounds terrible, but it's really true. I was like, if I'm not going to be happy, I'm at least going to make a lot of money. So I like, (laughs) (laughs) I like that. That, That's a nice distillation of what most people choose to do though. I mean, I just, you know, I try to use my superpower is what I'm told. So I try and use it. I wield it with, 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 uh, with, um, hopefully some, some sense of, of humor and yeah, uh, for sure. um, yeah, so I, so I called up my old firm and I was like, Hey, uh, I've been, I've been prosecuting and I want to come back. And, um, and they were like, all right, come on. So I, I went back to, it was a different firm that I started at, but I had worked there in the summers before. So it was familiar to me and, um, loved the people, loved the environment, re- actually really loved my work and, um, was sort of killing it there until, uh, until I had babies and then darn those kids, you know, they kind of, <laughs> they, they tend to uh, veer up your life a little bit. Yeah. I mean, who do they think they are? Right. Right. So, right. Yeah. So like, I totally thought, I thought if anything, my husband would be the stay at home husband and I, and I would definitely be like the partner at the law firm, but before I was 35, all that, like, you know, go getter type stuff. And I had this, this little, this little child and, um, something, some little like biological switch flipped. 
Yeah. You know, I just think it was, I actually think it was a lot of different, you know, if we had 12 hours, I would tell you all the different side stories that were going on at the same time. Yeah. You know, I was, I'm a, I'm a really, um, uh, a really spiritual person. I was on this faith journey at the same time. And I really did feel like I had a deeper calling. Like I, you know, I like a lot of these decisions were being driven by, yes, like I ended up making them strategically and for success, but for these family definitions of success. But my heart tug was you're meant to do something more. You're meant to contribute more. You're meant to engage. And by more, I don't mean more important, right? I don't mean more money. I just mean that sort of something deeper, a deeper, deeper. meaningful contribution. Yeah. Yeah. And more internally, uh, more. Exactly. Exactly. And so more heart, Yeah. more heart, more heart, more, and you know, more for lack of a better word, authenticity, I think. Um, and so, and nothing, you know, flushes that out like a kid, man. So I had my first baby and I was just sort of, my world was turned upside down. And I, uh, you know, I thought I was just going to go straight back from maternity leave in four months and kill it some more. And, you know, and I just had a really hard time. So I ended up seeing home for six months and went back and just couldn't, I just was so miserable. I just like would look at this stack of papers on my desk and, and I, again, like loved my colleagues, loved the work on an intellectual level, but there was just no sense of alignment, like no sense of this is how I want to use my gifts and talents in the world, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And, and then I'd look at that picture of that little baby at home right, with right. Annie and I was like, yeah. I can't, I can't do this anymore. So my firm was awesome. Wow. They, they let me go back on maternity leave. And then while I was on maternity leave, I got pregnant again, which is just like, you know, I always wow. say, and I'm. And I, unexpectedly, and people are like, unexpectedly, don't you know how babies are made? It's like, yes, I know how babies are made. <laughs> we just didn't plan it. But like, it took us two years to get pregnant with the, you know, it's like, you just right, don't, plan, right, right, like, right. oh yeah, okay, so here's baby. So, yep, nope, uh, and there's the baby, and so I was pregnant. So I ended up going back on maternity leave, right? Because otherwise I would have transitioned timing. I would have gone back for three months again, then been out for six months again. Like, it just didn't make any sense. So I the firm let me stay out for a year, which was like super awesome of them. And, and then I got, I actually got postpartum when I was, um, it's, it's now called something else. It's now called like pregnancy depression or something, but I basically had symptoms of postpartum while I was in my first trimester. So like the whole time I was pregnant, I was suffering from depression, like didn't really know it. And I didn't really know what it was. And this wasn't that long ago, but it was long enough ago that like no one was talking about postpartum. Like this was like, you know, nobody, I barely knew what it, it wasn't was. wasn't a thing. You were just, was, yeah. Like it was, kind you know, of too weepy. No, I was like rageful and it was ugly. Ooh, wow. It was like really? angry and unhappy and moody. And it mm. just wasn't like sadness. It was like the whole like, whoa thing going on. Wow. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So that took me down. That's sort of like down to the low point. I'll stop there and see if you have. <laughs> Well, you know, we can talk about it if you want to, because that's definitely uh, a situation. I mean, it's obviously not the topic of the show, (laughs) but uh, I was depressed, too. Um, My depression was a little bit more nonspecific, existential Mm -hmm. 20-something depression. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was more like whenever I was alone, I would just like cry. Mm-hmm. Without any sort of stimulation, yeah. it's just like, oh, I'm still here. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, and and all those, it's like this this new depression circuit arose I mean, in me. You know, yeah, totally. So, 
Yeah, um, no, it's, you know, I can relate. And the reason that I really talk about it is, it is because, you know, people, I get the question a lot, like, how did, how did you find the courage to walk away from a successful legal career? Right. And, you know, so, you, you know, in your terms, like, how did you veer? How did you find the courage to veer? And, and it's like, I didn't find the courage. Like, I got hit upside the head by a two by four. <laughs> like, right. sometimes that's just right. the way it happens, you know? So, so there I was, like, pregnant and, um, depressed and sad and, and you know, and-, and raging and all the stuff and, and denying that I had a problem. Right. It was just like, it was sort of like you put a baby inside of you and see how you feel. Like, right, it was like, right. you know, you're blaming everybody, uh, blaming yes. everybody. Yeah. Total blame displacement. So anyways, yes. so, um, yeah, so it wasn't until my second child was sleeping through the night that, uh, and I don't do well with sleep deprivation on top of all of it, of course. Mm, so of course. she was a really bad sleeper. So it took her about nine months to sleep through, sleep more than four hours. And, mm. um, so she was about nine months old and she had been sleeping through the night for a little bit. And I had this like very cliched sounding moment where like I, I caught, I was got out of the shower and I caught a glimpse of myself in the mirror. And, and it was like this first time, like I looked at myself and I, I saw this person whose like eyes were gray and like, I looked sad, you know, and I looked mm, tired mm, mm, and mm. I, and yet in, and I sort of had this awareness of like, oh my gosh, this is how I'm showing up in the world. You had a moment like, of clarity. Yeah. Like, and I'm showing <laughs> up angry and I'm showing up sad yeah. and I'm showing up frustrated and sick disconnected looking, yeah. and sick and I'm not taking care of myself and all this stuff. And then. And then at the same time, I was like, I had this deep sense of who I really was. And that's what makes it sound so cheesy. It's like this sudden awareness of what, for lack of a better, you know, there are all sorts of terminology out there, but the false self, the sort of like the self the world was seeing in this true self, this like kind, loving, compassionate, funny, outgoing, you know. Where's that person? Where'd that person person go? Yeah. Yeah. And I also realized that like, I sort of thought that it didn't matter how I was showing up because I knew who I really was. So like, I never had a crisis of confidence, right? Mm, Like I never had like a lack of knowing who I was. I just sort of thought that because I knew who I was, it didn't matter who I showed the world, Uh, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And it was like this interesting, like, yeah. I think I've done that. <laughs> I think we've all done that. Yeah, you I know? think we've all done that. You're we've right. All done, like it's okay if you yell at somebody because they know that you didn't mean it. It's like or, or you yelled no. at them. You know, like or no. Let's own that. Like, <laughs> right. You had a different choice, you know? Yeah. And um yeah, so that for me just like really kicked into high gear my spiritual journey. It kicked into high gear these like really open, um, open inquiries into, into who I wanted to be and what kind of person I wanted to be and what kind of mother I wanted to be. And I just remember like looking at myself and I walked out into the bedroom. My like poor husband was like just trying to put on his pants to go to work, you know? And I, I like, I looked right, right at him and I just said, I said, look, um, I don't know if I can be happy like other people can be happy, Mm. but I'm going to try like for you and for the girls and for myself, I'm going to try. And my husband, who was like literally a saint, just looked at me and said, okay, you know, and I just like the best response in the whole, like one word more, one word less, you know, it's like, could have totally just derailed me. Um, okay. Yeah. Nope. Totally. Right. Nope. Not good. Or like, you're fine. (laughs) You're fine. What do you mean? Right. What do you mean? Or that sucks. Or whatever. Yeah. Okay. He just looked right (laughs) at me and was like, okay. Okay. And I was like, okay. The right kind of okay, too. The right Not kind like, of okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> totally. I think the guardian angels were watching over us both that Thank day. Thank goodness. So. Yes. Thank goodness. Yeah. So, um, 
Because yeah, so one that, wrong word from a dude. And, right. And, and in defense of dudes, because I'm one of them, ah. we're really always just grasping at straws when it comes to dealing with people and women in general, you know. Well, so, I mean, know, words. So you know, when, we words, get it, words, when we get it right at all, we just yeah. feel like so blessed and lucky, I think. Well, you know, and he, <laughs> he's mastered the okay. My, my Okay. <laughs> My brother actually tells him all the time. He's like, I just, you're just like, you're okay. You know, everything's okay with you. And, and Dave just like shrugs. He's like, yeah, you know, it seems to work out better that way. <laughs> I, you know, I, I've got a buddy, you know, and he always laughs at me because one of his things is like, we work together at several different jobs uh-huh. and, um, and, you know, in the military, um, people will always just like try to, there's like this sport of trying to get a rise out of people. You know, it's like, Ooh, there's somebody we can really spin up if we say the right things. And we, they they make sport of pushing people's buttons just to watch, you know, (laughs) watch people explode. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, and I always had this whenever anybody messed with me and I, I wasn't in a position to mess back. I would just shrug my shoulders and go, "Mm okay. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> totally. It's universal. It's universal mm-hmm. dude language. Bro. Yeah, 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 yeah. With this nonchalant that... like are you talking to me? Right. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. <laughs> right, exactly. It's the it's the yeah. it's the whatever kind of okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> it's like a great It's skill. a different okay than what your what your husband used. Yeah, but it's equally important, you know, it's, right. a, vers- it's a versatile word. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of the other things I think that it's important for all men to to know, um, and and I'm sure a lot of men have heard it, but you can you can help me either confirm or deny this. But sometimes the best thing to say to a woman who's complaining about anything is to just say, "That sucks." Yeah, totally. And then well, so, stop. <laughs> well, so here's like here's the thing that um, you know, and this goes all the way. To, back to, you know, women are from Mars, men are from Venus or whatever, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. But like to really, to like understand that, um, the way that women show up in the world are the feminine for, you know, if we want to degender it because they're men who show up this way, et cetera. But like this type of being is, is a need for connection and that that connection comes from being truly seen and truly heard. And in order to be truly seen and truly heard, you need to feel like you're not being fixed so whereas oh, right, problems, right, right, right. a masculine response, again, reg- regardless of whether or not it's coming from a, a woman or a man, is really this, I'm going to fix that. Right, like, right, right, right. If you have suffering, let's make that better. And so right. it comes from a very loving place because the listener wants to alleviate the pain of the person who's speaking. So they're like, well, why don't you just call your mom and whatever? Right. And that's when it escalates, right? Because the person speaking is like, you're not listening to me! Stop trying to fix me. Yeah, like are you saying this is my fault? Right. You know? You've just then in the the dude is just like, whoa. Well, <laughs> I have just stepped in it. Because <laughs> from his perspective, right? He's just trying to love her. Like right. he's like, right, you're right. hurting. I'm gonna help you. Right. What she actually just needs is is you that what that sucks is saying is I see your pain. I hear your pain. I validate that you are. I see that you're hurting. I hear you. I yes, hear I know you. you exist. Yeah. Right. And, and there I'm, you and are I've, in pain. 
And I'm with you in that pain. Yeah. And, and you know, if you can bite your lip and say, I feel your pain. You might not get impeached. Right. <laughs> but that's, you know, that's what people want. That's it's wacky. It's just the way, you know, the way we're created, man. Yeah. We're just wired for, we're wired for connection. And I think, I think that's that, true. You know, I, I, you know, the wired for connection thing is, uh, is sort of biological, I think. Yeah. Oh, no, um, because, um, I spent some time, you know, at home, you know, not working, you know, yeah. trying to do a thing where I work from home and I don't really like that. Yeah. <laughs> There's not a lot of people around and I've learned something about being human from another guest. She, uh, she was a PhD in another field, but then she started in retirement studying um, uh, how human brain chemistry is very much like other mammal brain chemistry. Oh, yeah. And we're herd animals. Yeah, we are. That, and Absolutely. we need to have the herd around. And when we don't, it, here's the thing, is, is what she says is, is everything's trade-offs. It's like, mm-hmm. and she tells the story about, say, like, you're a gazelle, and you're in your herd, and you see some grass over there, and it's greener, and it looks way more tasty than this crappy stuff that the herd is eating. But you want to go over there because it looks really tasty. But if you go too far away from the herd, you might get eaten by a lion. <laughs> totally. So you need the herd, but they kind of suck at the same time, <laughs> you know? Well, and I think part of the art of coaching and why I love what I do so much is yeah. it helps you remember that there's actually no lion. Not in our environment. Not in our environment. Not in, not that, in that our, our brain is wired to scream. But that doesn't mean, you know, lion. you're not going to feel like there's a lion. Oh, no, no. We feel like there's a lion. That there's just no not doubt. one. Right. But, but understanding. Right. And understanding really that. Coaching yes. is, is being able to say, wow, that green grass, that's something that I really want that's really in alignment for me. But my brain is telling me that that's the worst freaking idea I've ever right. had. If you get that grass, you're going to die. You're going to die. <laughs> right. That's, that's literally, I mean, I can't even tell you like, and this happens all the time when people are trying to you know, talk about when they're trying to make their veers, right? Right. When they're trying to say like, that's actually the direction that I want to go. I want that grass. Their yeah. brain is literally telling them the equivalent of you're going to die. You're going to die. Right? Because, and it's yeah. also, it's going to, your herd's going to, like, your mom's going to hate you. Your friends are going to think you're stupid. Your yeah. mentors are going to criticize you. Yeah. Like, all of your friends are going to leave you. And here's the truth. The here's here's the hard out. truth <laughs> that the herd, yeah, the herd might abandon you. Yes. But what nobody tells you is, but then you can find a new herd and they look for That's grass true. like you, like the grass you want. That's true. There's you always know? another herd and there There's, are very few lions. There is always another herd, and there and for us, for humanity, right now, there are no lions. There are no lions, there you know, except is. ones that we make up in our brains. There are leg- legitimate dangers, but you can pretty much pick them out pretty easily, right? You can pick them out really easily. <laughs> yeah, and, and they're you know, not related to career choices. They're not related speaking. to career choices. There you go. They're not. They're not related to that grass. You know, there's still like, you know, to push the analogy, it's like there's still lightning. There's still cliffs you can fall over. Right. There's still, you there know, it's are not still the, lions, but they're not typically in um, American cities. Yeah, and they're not, you know, they're not coming right. after you. They're Forget not, right, right, right. Like they're right. just not, you know. Yeah, they're not. Um. So yeah. Yeah. So that's, you know, I think that I actually think it's, a, I think it's a terrific story. I also think it's really illustrative of like sort of exactly, you know, going back to what I said earlier, people always ask me like, how did you get the courage? It's like, well, how did I, you get the courage? I got, I got accidentally separated from the herd, dude. 
you know? Okay. Like I didn't, I think the postpartum separated me from the herd. And then all of a sudden I was like, that's not my herd anymore. You know, I don't want to go back to the law firm. I don't want to go back to, to that herd, even though I love them and I respect them and they taught me so much and that's not where I belong. Right. And, um, so and did I, you end up like just quitting altogether? Yes. It took me three years. So okay. my firm was so awesome. They left me on unpaid leave for three years. Like I still had an office and a secretary and a phone. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. They were so they awesome. They really wanted you to come back. They really wanted me to come back and they were so supportive. Yeah. And, yeah. and then my mentor just called me and she was like, so it's, I've, I've known this for a long time, but it's time you come to terms with it. <laughs> um, okay. She's like, and now it's a lot of paperwork for me. So like, you've got to come, you've got to come like pick up your stuff. Right. You've so, got to really let go now. It's time to let go. And, okay. and she was great. She was like, you know, and you can always come back. You know, she wasn't, she was, she, if you nice. changed your mind. Wow. Yeah, they were what awesome. a great herd you had. Such a great herd, which <laughs> makes it so hard to leave, by the way. Makes it so hard That's to leave. True. That's true. It'd be so true. much easier if my herd sucked and right. I could tell you how awful they were, you know, but right, they were right. awesome. They were an awesome herd. So, um, yeah. So then I just sort of like sat in this dead space for a while. I thought that I was going to die. Speaking of like, I thought a lion was coming for me, like in the word, you know, but like in the, I'm the sick, I wasn't eating. It wasn't because I was eating good grass. It's because I was like the wounded deer. You know, we, <laughs> I was just like, ah. uh, wow. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I just had a really hard time. And then, so I was, you know, and I was, I was on this spiritual journey and I was studying and reading and, you know, I had two small kids at home and mm. uh, just dealing with life and trying to keep the machine running and trying to keep your brain happy. Like most of us trying to keep my brain happy. And, um, yeah. And then I just really sort of, I was, I'd stalled out with my therapist. Like she was great, but like, I just didn't really understand what we were doing together anymore. And, mm. and I discovered the work of Martha Beck. So Martha Beck is the type of coaching that I did. And she's a Harvard trained, um, sociologist who sort of considered one of the, the sort of, you know, they're like about 10 people who sort of founded life coaching around the same time. And like, she was one of the gurus who sort of wow. had this idea to, to start life coaching and, um, and she didn't even know what she was doing. You know, she was just like, start talking to interesting people about interesting things. And all of a sudden sure. she's like, I think I created this thing. <laughs> people I have think called I might have made life coaching. Yeah. Like time magazine, like put her on the cover as like America's life coach or something. And she tells this funny story. I can't remember what, what magazine it was, but she read the article and she was like, Oh, that's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> That's wow. what that is. That's awesome. Wow. I'm really awesome. That's awesome. I had so cool. no idea it was awesome. So I read I read like a bunch of her books and I and I really like I was like, oh my gosh, this is my herd. Like it was the first time that we're really pushing mm. this analogy, by the way, but it's effective. That's so good. I, yeah, it works. Yeah. Um I really was like, these are my people. Like she yeah. gets what I'm talking about. And she's crazy, by the way, but like in the best way. Like for me, it was a little threatening at the time because she was talked about like magic and following your inner wisdom and like all these things that to, the it's lawyer very woo woo. Yes. Very woo woo. You know, for mm. like the lawyer, the like Yale UVA educated lawyer was like, your I'm brain sorry. is pooping all over those words. Yeah. Like I kept, I closed the book five times. Like I was like, what is this nonsense? But I couldn't yeah. stop reading it. So I, I just, and I experienced more healing in two weeks of reading her work than I had in the past three years doing all the other things I'd been doing. See? I mean, it was just, it was incredible. So I was like, you know what? I Googled her. She had a life coach training program. And I said to my husband, um, again, I was like, I think I want to do this program. Like, I know it's expensive. Um, and, but like, I really think that this is what's going to help me 
heal in the way that I want to heal, you know, cause he'd been in this with me now for a couple of years and it, things had gotten better from like the rock bottom, but they weren't, I was certainly was not thriving. You know, I right. was no longer depressed and sad and, and angry, but I wasn't, you're I wasn't, not, you're not your full. Yeah. 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 Energized uh, self yet. Exactly. So you're so still momming though. I'm still momming. Yep. Totally yeah. still momming and momming full time. And, um, and he, and he was totally supportive. So I did that program and we actually joke now because I, he listened to something I said or overheard me either, either was on a podcast or talking to someone saying, you know, I went to life coach training without any intention of being a life coach. And he's like, then why did we pay all that money? <laughs> <laughs> It was part of my healing journey. And he's like, oh, I'm glad I didn't know that at the time. Right. Right. <laughs> he, always right. Thought, he always thought I was going to have a business, but I didn't. Oh, wow. I, I really did it for person. And I went through the whole time kicking and screaming, saying, I'm never going to be a life coach. Um, I'm not yeah. here to be a life coach. You know, all these people were talking about launching their practices. And I was the one who was like, no practice for me. Like, I don't want to coach people. And, um, and won't you, you know, sometimes we resist our, we resist our deepest callings. And for me, it was, um, mm. it was not so gradual introduction to, I just really felt like a, a, the divine force in my life was saying, like, look, you, this is what you asked for. You told me that you wanted to use your gifts and your talents and service to the world in a way that was completely and authentically aligned with you. Like, here's your choice. If you want to walk away from it and pretend that you didn't find it, that's, that's up to you. Yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah, here, yeah, yeah. you know, and, um, you ever, have you ever, uh, are you a fan of Jeff Bridges? Y- yes, yes. Sort of. Ses- yeah. Well, you know, he's been around forever, right? He's you know who he is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he did an interview. Actually, I- I've heard this tell the same story twice on two different, one on a podcast and then one on Howard Stern. Uh-huh. Because you said the word resist, I, th- I thought I would I would try to sum it up and share it because I think you might like it. Sure. So he did a painting called Jeff Makes a Decision. <laughs> Love okay. it already. And uh, and he is uh, he's like in a a, a river in in a, ca- a canyon kind of like river. Uh huh. So maybe like the Colorado River uh, up by Needles, you know? Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Um, and there's all of these whirlpools, right? That mm-hmm. he's and his and his job is he's in a boat and he has to navigate around the whirlpools and keep going downstream, mm-hmm. right? And in each in the vortex of each whirlpool, there's a beautiful jewel. Yeah, totally. <laughs> right? And he'll be like, "Oh, I got to avoid that whirlpool. Oh, that's oh, a pretty okay. jewel. <laughs> totally. Oh, that's a pretty jewel." And so his his method of choosing a project is to resist the jewels. Yeah. Until he can't resist anymore, and they're just so awesome, he can't uh, avoid taking them, you know. So, I thought that was just a beautiful metaphor for you should resist everything that that is vying for your attention. You really yeah. should because a lot of it is mirage and BS and you know so the more you resist you can go is that BS? Oh yeah, that's BS. Or is right. that too good to be true? Yeah, that's too. Is that a crack pipe? Yeah, yeah. that's a crack pipe. 
you know, and I love that this is coming. I love that story. By the way, it's super helpful to me. And I'm I'm on the I'm actually right now making a, a really important decision. And when you're in and when you're in the decision making process, trying to decide whether or not um, something is a jewel at the bottom of a whirlpool or not, right. it's like very. It's, you know, sometimes it looks like it's it's like just floating on the surface of the water because you choose to overlook the whirlpool right. that's like right in front of you. You know, right and um. And the, what I always tell clients is, using your metaphor, I'll just put it in those terms, is look, if the discomfort of getting the jewel, of going through the whirlpool, is less than the comfort of having the jewel, then it's your decision. Like if you're willing to, to struggle and it doesn't feel like a distraction from moving downstream, then like maybe that's just part of your journey. But you have to ask yourself whether or not the time, the energy, right, is it right. really – Right, is right. really worth going to get that jewel because right. there you might be something. Might, you might damage your boat going down. Yeah, there's a lot, you know. <laughs> You're going to invest a lot of time and effort getting right. in and out of that. Right, and yeah. here's the thing, though, is that truthfully, like, you know, people always ask me, like, oh, what, what do entrepreneurs really need to succeed early in their ventures? And, and my answer is besides, you know, the classic persistence, grit, like all, determination. You really got to want to. You really got to want it. Yeah, but the other thing is discernment. Totally. I say just, yeah. discernment is like, and people are like, well, how do you get that? It's like, you got to make a lot of bad mistakes. You get right. trapped in a whole lot of friggin' whirlpools That's right. being like, the jewel was not worth it. <laughs> and my boat is wrecked. And my boat is wrecked again. Okay. And I've got to fix it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I have no money to fix it. Okay. Well, yeah, you, the, the explore thing gets easier the more you do it. Because totally. then the next time you see that jewel, you'll know, <gasps> no. <laughs> I know you. This is the thing that I'm dealing with right now because, you know, I'm still a fairly young entrepreneur. And and, and I sort of thought like after I had fallen in my first couple of whirlpools, I was like, oh, I got this thing down. Like I know a jewel when I see it that's not worth it. Like I know my my downstream, you know? Right. And then it's like, yeah, but the universe gets crafty, man. Oh, yeah. It's It's got got a big bucket of jewels. A big bucket of jewels. And you keep going downstream and those jewels get bigger and and bigger and and shinier. Yeah. And it's like, you know, and it gets really hard to tell like whether or not you're, you're drifting off course or whether or not you're, you know, you're staying your course or you're getting a jewel. Gosh, can that, that is, it doesn't get easier because the temptation gets stronger, the more opportunities are handed to you and the, you know, and so really, um, you know, having that deep sense of what does it feel like to be on open water? You know, what does it feel like to be moving in the right direction is that mm, is like, mm. I think just the, the that's most, a, that's probably the best lesson right there. If you can, it is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, that's my boss in the military said that, uh, that's figure shit out. That's <laughs> figure shit out as like the, the only skill <laughs> that humans need is like discernment. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about your books. Just Mm -hmm. briefly. So your first one was called Matter, How to Find Meaningful Work That's Right for You and Your Family. Love that. Thanks. So yeah, so both of my books are written from a mom's perspective for moms, even though, you know, I think the wisdom in them applies to everybody, but I really had this heart to to have an audience. Yeah, you have to have an audience. And I just really had a heart for like people who were, you know, I have, I went to school with tons of, um, tons of colleagues who were facing similar predicaments where they just really had lost themselves in traditional notions of success. And, you know, we talked at the beginning, it's like my journey has been steeped in first world and, and it is, you know, it really is. And, and I'm not ashamed of that because first world pain is still pain. And, and I yeah. think that, 
you know, a lot of my clients, um, don't, don't actually take action before they meet me to, to heal their pain because they are compassionate, intelligent, kind people who can see the other sort of quote unquote real pain in the world. And they feel bad for taking time to deal with their first world problems because they think they're just not tough enough or they're not, you know? And so I really, I have no place to complain about my, Oh, like I have problems. Right. 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 Yeah. So they don't do anything about it and said they just hurt. And, Mm. and part of my bigger mission is really helping, especially women who, who are in that sort of tough it up, you know, suck it up mentality, recognize that, um, you know, sure they may, they, they're those larger problems that they feel called to solve. They can solve so much more powerfully and effectively when they're in a place of, of wholeness and, and they've done the work of healing for themselves. So, um, so that book is really largely about finding meaningful work is really about a lot about what we talked about today in terms of like my struggle with postpartum and, you know, basic, basic things that I learned, like you're not your thoughts, you know, like you totally. think that's, you're yeah, not it's like your nobody, thought. Wow. nobody told me that, you know, it's like, mm. I think therefore I am is the way that I grew, you know, right. it's like everything that's valuable is in your left brain. And so it's like, really, it's like a, for me, it's a one oh one of just like what I wish someone had told me when I started this journey. Um, and all my books are a hundred pages or less. Like I write them to be short and easy to read. And, Mm. um, so that was my first book. And then, um, my next book called next Next. is, um, yeah, what's next, you know? So you do (laughs) this work of, of asking yourself, okay, what really matters to me? And then what do you do about it? You know? And so next is a, is a super practical, again, hundred page or less book that walks. I share all the stupid mistakes I made in my first year of trying to launch my business and really just openly say like, here's how you can avoid this stuff and, and how, you know, again, sort of the basics. How do you know that you're stuck in busy work versus meaningful work that's moving your business forward? How can you, um, where, where do you need to be devoting your time? How can you move yourself forward in a meaningful way? So, um, yeah, so those are my, those are my two books and you can get them both on Amazon. Um, or if you're in the continental United States, you can email me at Caroline at Caroline Green with an ecoaching.com and put the subject matter of which book you want in the, in the subject line. And we'll get you a paperback copy if you're in the U S and a and an e-copy if you're overseas. Wow. So in your website is, now let me see if I can get this right, carolinegreenwithanecoaching.com. That's it, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm sure there's going to be links to all of that stuff too. And you're on uh, Facebook. I'm on Facebook, yeah. I'm sorry, Facebook's the easiest way to to reach me. Um, Okay. Facebook or email. Gotcha. Yeah. Cool. This has been a blast. It's been so fun. Yeah, it's I, great. We, we should uh, uh, reconnect and talk about all the different spiritual books that you read because. Oh, uh, yeah. Because um, I think we might have some crossover there. That would be awesome. Because a lot of the things you said was like, oh, wow. And one of my, uh, one of my guests, he was, um, we, we both said like, uh, what was it? Uh, oh, his, his mantra was, you are not your mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> an important mantra. It is. It was like you know? scream that from the from the uh, the mountaintops. But um, yeah. yeah, and the thing is, is we, you and I, we've been probably sitting in it and marinating it for so long. Like we said in the beginning, it was like these all this we all just assume people know everybody knows this, mm-hmm. but they don't. <laughs> 
they well, were. and not only just like not everybody know it, but like I didn't know it five years ago. Right, right. You no, know, it's not That's even true. like yeah, it's like you. And I think that there's also this like for the it's sort of like this crossing over experience where you're like you have this knowledge and then you're almost embarrassed that you didn't have it before, and then That's you an forget. Everyday experience, for right? Me. Yes. Yeah, and then all, but but at the, so that shame makes you think like oh of course like everyone knows this, and it's like no no they don't <laughs> they don't no they don't. That's why you didn't either. It's not because you were an idiot. It's because right. no one told you. You know, Um, and like, and, and and I think it's so important that once we learn these lessons that we share them, whether it's publicly or just in our communities or in our families, podcast or on a podcast, podcast. this one, which is awesome. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah. All right. So is there anything else we need to cover? No, this is great. It was great fun. Thanks so much for having me. Okay. No problem. Um, And let's do it again. Sounds awesome. I think we can, I think we can cover more ground. I think we probably could. I, I think yeah. we could have a really good time. You know, maybe maybe you could be my co-host someday. Oh, that would be so fun. That, that would be great. That would be fun, right? Yeah. And yeah, we totally. could sing and we could do like karaoke hour. We could definitely have a karaoke segment. <laughs> like every show. Okay, let me see if I can say your name again. Caroline Green of carolinegreencoaching.com. Thank you so much and you have a great day. Thanks, you too. Thanks for taking the time to ride along with us on another episode of Vroom Vroom Veer. For podcast info and show notes, be sure to head over to vvveer.com. That's triple V double E-R.com. Man, that's fun to say. And we'll catch up with you next time here on Vroom Vroom Veer. Vroom Vroom Veer.